If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Oh, it's been a long time, people. Yeah, Hello. it's not. It's not really joining joining me each week. It's like joining me, uh, <laughs> give or take a month and a half, <laughs> two <and> months. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute, people. It's been yeah. a minute. Today we will be reviewing the films Mulan and Tenet. So, Oof. last episode we recorded, I think, was on August eighteenth. Yeah, it is wow. now almost Halloween. So it's been a good two and a half months. And so why the long layoff and uh, pretty much the reason why is work for both myself and for Will. So it's kind of like when there's a drought and you're, and you're really thirsty and you need water. And then all of a sudden there's all of this rain coming and uh, it's like, oh my gosh, this is enough rain to like for my family to drink for like the next two years. But you just don't have. <laughs> enough buckets to catch all the water that's kind of like what it felt like but um you know it's one of those things where when you're putting energy and work into something that you value and into something creative uh, the when you get to cross the finish line and you see the end product it is really gratifying and uh it i mean it's hard to say yeah i was really proud of the work that we did actually so it was really it came out really good People, you want if you want to know what Myron's like in high stress, precious uh, circumstances. You know, he kind of rolls up into a ball into a corner for a moment, and starts like you know really like just like, you know, crawling up, and it's kind of cute and sad. But you want to just be able to be like, hey, we're gonna get there, buddy. We're gonna get there. Yeah, and <laughs> you then, were so stressed. And then I start screaming and and then cussing, <laughs> and then oh, I man. start drinking more. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I find myself yeah. in the same circumstance. <laughs> yes. And then Will is also <laughs> drinking and cursing. And uh, yeah, luckily, the work still got done <laughs> in did. the middle of all that. Yeah. But so happy that we can come back and keep bringing you new episodes. Before we get on to our reviews of Mulan and Tenet, let's get this show started, as we always do, with a rundown on the latest of entertainment news. All right. So... This isn't necessarily a rundown of what has happened in the last week. It's kind of roughly uh, a rundown of what's happened in the last two months or so. So first things first, we had talked about this. We were wondering what's going to win. Tenet versus Mulan. Streaming versus theaters. And we got our answer. Mulan kicked Tenet's ass really badly. That was... Really, really, really badly. I'm not too surprised. Yeah. But I mean the grant the fact that like the that Disney Plus has what sixty million subscribers. Disney did say that they have sixty million followers across the world, and uh, there is also information that says that a third of all households in the households in the United States pay the thirty dollars to download and watch Mulan. So if you did some general math here, we can kind of guess that. Disney made about $260 million just off of U.S. streaming Profit. of Mulan in in the home, right? Yes. So that is a lot higher than we would think simply because the theaters aren't getting any cut of that. That money is going straight to Disney. And that's not even including the uh, Mulan theatrical release that took place in countries like China and so forth. So it's, it's not even close. Uh, Mulan basically destroyed Tenet. Which is oh, kind of oh, sad. I mean, but to be fair, though, you have to realize they, they it's because it, they cut out the middleman. When you mm-hmm. don't have the middleman anymore, it's just all profit now. 
So even though I think that I think that Tenet did a decent job, a pretty decent job. I mean, they have to share that with the theaters. So yeah. Well, yeah. no, Tenet still only made fifty-two million, and if even like twenty percent of that went to the theaters, we're looking at what forty million gross. Domestic? That's true. Yeah. 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 Domestic, yes. Uh, so it's, yeah, it is. But, a, yeah, it's a huge, definitely a yeah. huge difference. But it did do much better overseas. So. Yeah, I think it has that going for it. And here's the thing is uh, Nolan is extremely stubborn and bullish about his movies first being seen in a movie theater. I'm sure this movie would have done amazingly and it would probably would have been a lot more compre- comprehensible <laughs> if you watched it at home with subtitles, yeah. which I'm so used to now, now that we've been in quarantine. But we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, when we review the film a couple of more things here before we move on the mandalorian is releasing today we are recording this episode on october 30th i think they're releasing one episode a week which is what i what they did for the uh, first season which kind of you know bums me out because the episodes are so short i would love to be able to just watch it all in one sitting but the mandalorian is out now and lastly the covid movies are coming the covid movies are coming i don't know if i want to hear about this oh my right. God. i read this article i was like what the frick <laughs> so there is a movie that michael bay produced called uh, songbird and it deals with uh, the premise that covid 19 has mutated multiple times uh into covid 23 or covid 24 curfew is now in effect all unauthorized citizens must stay indoors Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. A horrifying new development new today. New data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Get on your knees! Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm immune! Underneath I'm you. immune! Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. Sarah. Sarah, what's going on? This is a far more lethal version of the virus. The world has been in lockdown for four years and 8 million people have died so far. And this movie is basically a a contained thriller, which I think the making of it is genius because it was written during quarantine. The actors rehearsed over Zoom. And then they just uh, had a socially distant set where the actors were being tested and they shot the whole thing in a month. I think it's a genius way to get a movie shot very quickly for a little money. And I think the premise is definitely relatable. Pretty cool. And guess what? The entire movie was shot in a red Komodo. Dude. Yeah. And and iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> the <No>. trailer. <laughs> Not iPhone. <laughs> All right. A look at future episodes. Next week, we will have another Netflix double feature. We will be re- reviewing the films The Devil All the Time. Starring a whole plethora of superheroes. We got the Batman, Rob Pattinson. We got Tom Holland, Spider-Man. We got Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier. They're all in the same movie, but they're playing not superheroes. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And The Trial of the Chicago 7, written and directed by my hero, Aaron Sorkin. And we will also be going through our top five Aaron Sorkin works of all time, whether they be from TV or movies. So that will be next week. And then the week after, we will be having another TV show, Twofer. We will be reviewing the shows, The Boys. We're going to be going through season two of that. And also the show, The Haunting of Bly Manor. So I hope that show (laughs) isn't too scary. All right. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content? Drop us a line at the podfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And hey, tell your friends about us. 
if you remember who we are after the two and a half month break that we that we took, please tell your friends about us because we're back. Our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And now on to our first review. We'll be going through the film Mulan. Here's a look at the trailer. Do you know why the phoenix sits on the right hand of the emperor? She is his guardian, his protector. That she's both beautiful and strong. Your job is to bring honor to the family. Do you think you can do that? Citizens, we are under attack from northern invaders. Their leader calls himself Ori Khan. Fights alongside a witch. No survivors. By edict of his imperial majesty, every family must contribute one man to fight. Have you no son? I am blessed with two daughters. I will fight. be strong this time he will not return loyal brave and true all right that was a look at the trailer for the film mulan now this film came out a couple of months ago and um we both had Differing reactions to this film, I think it's safe to say. So, mm. Will, why don't you go first? What did you like about this movie? I I enjoyed. Ugh, it's like nitpicking real quick because it, it was like I was on the like it was up and down for me with this, but I, I enjoyed how they stuck pretty closely to the actual folklore of the story. Like the only main thing that was never mentioned were witches and shamans or any form of magic. And, and it gave new substance that just then just like recreating and recycling from singing animation to live action as many of the other Disney classics have had been. Um, There are actually a few different versions of the the story of Mulan, but the one I find close to the film was the ballad of Mulan. So it's like a poem that that I think that they kind of extracted to make this film. Uh, As a Disney film, I think they really did a good job balancing the more mature action packed yet still playful and fun for the young audience. And even those of us who grew up watching the original animated version that targeted more towards the younger audience. Technically speaking, the cinematography was wonderful. I thought the colors were vibrant, but not so much to make it feel artificial. It was very clean and, and it was beautiful. It was really, it was very beautiful. The ensemble cast, so they weren't bad. Jason Scott Lee, who played the lead villain, had the look and feel. And and I always enjoy seeing films with Tai Ma or Donnie Yen. I think they're just awesome actors. Um, Yifei, sorry if I'm butchering her name. Yifei Lu. Yifei Lu. Yifei Lu. In my opinion, did a good job playing Mulan as a woman, as a woman who looks beautiful, soft and fragile, but has a strong spirit and fierce yeah. motivation. I thought that agreed. paired pretty well, and I, I was pretty impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, to get before I get to my weak points and, and what I didn't like, because uh, it's it's a good handful. What about you? Like, what what were your favorite moments and what you liked? 
Uh, I agreed with the last point you made about Yifei Lu. I think the hardest thing about casting someone uh, to play Mulan is, number one, this person is, is, of course, Asian. And finding you know good Asian actors that would appeal to an American cinema-going crowd is hard. Mm. And so I think Yifei Lu had that look. And also, just the character of Mulan is almost like an oxymoron in that she's young, soft, delicate, and fragile. But she's a warrior, and she can basically you know kick a guy's ass. You know, mm-hmm. so finding someone that could do both those things and play that, you know, fragile, soft, vulnerable side and also be convincing, holding a sword and just fighting. I mean, how hard is that to find? You know, mm-hmm. not only just the physicality of it, but just internally um, the the spirit of Mulan. Right. But uh, Yifei Lu did do all those things very, very convincingly. And so, uh, you know, props to Disney for casting her and props to Yifei Lu for just that performance. I thought she was really, really amazing. Um the fight scenes were actually really, really good. I think this movie is PG-13. There's quite a bit of violence for a, a, a Disney uh, film. Exactly. But yep. uh, yeah, I thought it would be like kind of, you know, like watered down, just cheesy, unconvincing fights. But Cutting no, away it was, quickly if they start stabbing mm-hmm. someone or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's epic. I mean, it, there's no decapitations or no, uh, limbs no, no, getting no. cut off like Gladiator or, or Braveheart. So in that sense, maybe it is slightly watered down. But for the most part, it was very fun, suspenseful, and convincing to watch these action scenes. Um, I enjoyed the supporting cast, I think, a lot more than you did. Um, just seeing all of these huge Asian actors that are big now or were once big back in the day, seeing all of them together on screen was really, really fun. I mean, Donnie Yen, I love that guy. That guy's great in everything. So Jason good. Scott Lee mm. played Bruce Lee um, many years ago in the film Dragon. And, and I still Luke think King. that was... No, yeah, not Luke, Luke yeah, King. Yeah, the new Luke King. The new Luke King, not the original one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's great. I mean, he played that character really, really well. And he he's aged pretty damn well, too. I mean, and when you talk about aging well, you got to talk about Gong Li. Who I think is in her mid fifties, which is kind of insane. I, that blew my mind. I was yeah. like, "You are not fifty. Wow, this Asian glow thing is serious." Yeah, yeah. and Tai Ma is of course good in everything he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, did you know Jet Li would play the Emperor? Did, did you recognize him? I did recognize him as Jet Li. Yeah. It was it was very, you know, it's a small part, and he had his like epic moments of just showing him, but. Yeah, no, I, I noticed him. He didn't have many speaking parts. That's the other thing I was trying to figure out. He was like, I, I can't remember. I feel like Mulan, oh, Yifi, uh, like, did she have a mini? I don't know if she had a lot of dialogue, really. I, I feel like the dialogue was kind of spread out kind of evenly, I guess. Yeah, yeah, she didn't say a lot, and that's no. okay. Um, that's it's what a I, yeah. physical role, maybe. That's what I was and saying, course, like when you were saying that earlier, that that they finding someone like uh, Yufi Lu, like that has the softness and fragility, but yet fierce and strong. Like yeah, that physical aspect of her and that how she was executing it, but yet not much dialogue. That's what I was like thinking. Okay, I think it was more of a physical uh, acting kind of spectacle in the sense. Yeah. So. And, you know, if you remember from the animated uh, film, you know, Mulan's group of soldier buddies, they're like the fun, <laughs> funny, cool ones, right? And seeing them, uh, seeing how who they cast to play those parts here was good. They did a good job. They were funny. They did their jobs. It was a little bit unconvincing. Some of the fight scenes, in, especially during the climax that featured Mulan's soldier buddies, just the cutaways from like this epic fight scene to seeing like three or four soldiers take on this this you know, huge group of bad guys in this small little confined area <laughs> was a little bit odd. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, it, it worked out well. That, that part, I course, felt like they were trying to do more campiness or something. I felt like they were trying to pull out some campiness there. And I thought, uh, yeah. yeah. A little bit, yeah. 
And then, of course, the size and scope of the production was epic. They spent a lot of money on this. I think the budget was somewhere in the $250 million range, and you see all of it on screen, from the costume design with some of the epic and vibrant colors that we'll talk about to just the size and scope of the fight scenes with all the extras that they use, uh, the camera movements. Uh, it's just, everything was just very, very cinematic. And even the the CG, CGI that they use, especially of like Gong Li turning into a bird, it was beautiful. It looked well amazing. Done. Yeah, this was a big movie, and you you got that sense. It's definitely a temple, and we got to watch it in our homes, which is really really great. So that was what Will and I both liked, and uh, I think it's time to talk about maybe what we did not like. And I think it might get a little testy here, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you can go in and get started, Will. Dude, I did not care so much for Lee Gong's character as the witch, as beautiful as she looked, and how cool some of the mo- like some of the some of the things that she was able to do. Um, I, it just looked as though she was the replacement to all the spiritual and magical characters from the animated uh, film to help fill that gap. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, is this part of the folklore? And, and it wasn't. So the the love interest, or I, I wasn't even sure if there was a love interest, that that confused me. I wasn't so I think sh- they... Ha- I think they handled the love interest angle well because if you recall from the cartoon, her love interest was actually her commanding officer. Right. Right. And I, I think what they did was to make it a little bit more sensitive, especially because of the Me Too movement. You don't want like a young, impressionable, you know, teenager like Mulan falling for a, a commanding officer who would probably be what in his forties or fifties. So then they inserted this other character, like a side soldier, and I think they. I was telling myself if they kiss. I'm out. No, don't kiss. Don't kiss. Well, that was but th- yeah. But the yeah. thing, the thing though is, you know, right when you said, you know, because of the Me Too movement, and and if it is the case, like I, that just makes it political, and it's like that's not. Don't don't politicize a movie. You know, make make the film mm-hmm. as what the film should be. In I guess in essence, whatever. But I don't know. I, I for me, it, I I don't mind if they didn't kiss. That that wasn't the thing. It was just the way how they were. The, the chemistry it was so awkward i don't know like i didn't know like okay wait is that the one that she's interested in or is hong you know hong's character is he what it, it, i just couldn't connect you know have any connection with that so mm-hmm. but that it, it it kind of it made sense later on because like like the film honestly definitely was driven with women empowerment and and it definitely wasn't too on the nose for me like i get it there isn't anything wrong with it but once the witch's background story unfolded and how it dives into being ousted and feeling like you don't have a choice in your life as a woman it became apparent when the story was where where the story was going like that's where i literally was like okay seeing the witch go from foe to friend to with mulan and how they need to look out for each other made me lose interest with the rest of the film pretty quickly for me it's like so so it's on the record will hates women everyone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. And, and Will supports no. Donald Trump. Wow. <laughs> just kidding. Look, look, other than I'm that. I'm just kidding. You know, I, I, I know you are. Yeah. But, but it's true, though. You can't disagree with that because it was definitely like on the nose. I mean, I guess maybe it's yeah. just me. But um, the other thing, obviously, that is, is, is pretty obvious is like the illogical, illogical points of her getting away with disguising herself as a man in every circumstance she was put in. It was definitely weak but even in the animated version as well like the action the live action version i thought made it worse when they showed how she struggled to keep it a secret every day like when she's in the bunk with the guy and i'm just like there's no way there's there's no way you're not going to figure out that she's a girl from there or then when she took a okay, shower but that's that. that's a problem with the legend because that's uh true. i mean yeah, yeah, sure. the legend obviously couldn't have really happened 
No, no. I no. think it's a folklore because yes. of, yeah, yeah, for this very reason that a girl can't hide. You know, but that's why the ballad the is only like five sentences. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's my that's yeah, a good that's point. My, yeah, yeah, that's my take of the week. And what I do, and, and in terms of Gong Li's uh, portrayal as the wish, I liked her portrayal and I liked her character. I just thought that uh, how one of the main plot points hinged on her character change yep. or her character arc that was a little bit thin for me. And I'm going to talk about that right now. Uh, in terms of what I didn't like or the weak points, and let's let's face it, everybody, if y'all haven't seen this movie after two two and a half months. Uh, sorry if we gave away some plot points, but uh, I'm sure most of you have seen this already. But going into what Will and I were just talking about here, so Gong Li has what is called uh, in you know Chinese culture and in this movie something called Qi, which is like an inner power, maybe something similar to the ability to use the force. And then this uh, ability is often repressed in women because it's looked upon as maybe a threat to men. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, Gong Li had this this internal power and uh, she was shunned because of it. And so because of that, she became kind of a rebel, a villain, uh, because she was basically told that this thing that she has inside of her is something that uh, is hated by other people. And it turns out Mulan has the same power. It just comes out differently. Mulan uses that power to, you know, she has great control over herself, her, her, her physical self. She's able to fight really, really well with that because she's able to harness her inner chi. So we see these two characters kind of coming together because Mulan is at a crossroads and she's thinking, I have this this power inside of me and I'm trying to repress it, but it makes me who I am. And then Gong Li, of course, looks at her and says, they're going to reject you. They're going to shun you because of this power. Bring it home, Iron. Then, Bring it home. Yeah. Where are you going to go with this? Where are you going with this? <laughs> but then Mulan says, uh, uh, you know, no, like they accept me for this power. They they need it. You know, they they accept me for who I am. And then when Gong Li is able to see that, she changes and basically sacrifices herself to save Mulan. But it all happens very quickly during the climax, and it's kind of not so believable in in the way that it happened. So it, maybe it was a shot in a weird way and edited in a weird way, but it just kind of quickly happens. You're like, oh, okay, cool. I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you move on with the rest of the movie and it's fine. And so, but it did, that was probably the weakest point of the movie for me. That character churn, even though we understood it, it still came off as forced. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes. No, no. I completely agree. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I feel like you're trying to lead to the whole girl power kind of thing. But yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Once again, Will hates women. Everyone. No. No, that's where you're leading it. You know it is. <laughs> Just kidding. So, like, yeah, honestly, I thought it was a little bit on the nose, too, to be honest. Um, I am all for equal representation. I am all for girl power. Um, I am all for all those things. But yeah. uh, when you try to force it and kind of make it, like, this huge thing, it's just kind of comes down to anything in movies anytime anything is too on the nose yes to me it sticks out and i don't like it it and, could be yeah. any point yeah exactly but and i'm not it saying was, it was very yeah on the nose here. i'm not saying compl- like just you know women empowerment girl power like i'm not trying to single that out like it's just it's totally fine but when you do it on the nose too on the nose and that's with any subject matter it, it just becomes like a force of like you're trying to stuff a message down our throats you know like okay we get it kind of thing that's the that was the only thing so i love women so i'm just putting it out there for the record <laughs> why are you shaking your head will <laughs> Wait, what? no i'm not you liar all right oh uh, man 
All right, moving on. So that's what Will and I liked and didn't like. Uh, let's offer a final review of the film. Why don't you go ahead and go first, Will? I give this film a 2.5 out of 5 stars. It's, it's a little bit of low ball, but with just... I, I think what just really did it for me to bring it that to bring it down that low was just how it was just so on the nose and and like it it, it was holding a good level for me of entertainment but then what, what, the moment that that happened with with Gong Li's character and like the whole you know message of that it, it just it, it just dipped pretty hard for me from there so I, I just don't like something where it's like like let it come in nice and smoothly or or just try to like don't I don't know it just felt forced too forced for me so with that message so yeah 2.5 stars but other than that like like i said the, the the majority of that score comes from the amazing cinematography you know the ensemble cast was great the um just the the whole vibrancy of it too was great it, it was very beautiful so what about you okay i give it three and a half stars out of five Ooh. it was a enjoyable film with just a couple of weak points here and there overall it was a huge great production and I really, really loved um, just seeing this on, I wouldn't say a small screen, but just seeing it in my living room and seeing a film like this. It was, there was an excitement when we first like turned this movie on and we were really pumped up for it. And I thought it was a great, great ride. And a lot of aspects of the film were executed very, very well. And a few weren't ex executed that well. But, you know, that's why it's not a perfect film. And I didn't think it would be. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, all right. Nice. That was our look at the film Mulan. We'll take a short break and come back with a review of the film, Tenet. Happy birthday, Happy Arvin. birthday, honey. Happy birthday to you. Well, this was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. It's time to pass it on. It's the best present I ever got. Thank you. How and why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story in Knock'em Stiff. You ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house? I know what my daddy did. Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. When people look back on it, they had no other choice. A lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. And there's no place to be right now but in it. We watched for a decade while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. Well, they're going to spend their 30s in a federal facility, real time. People say, you know, Abby, are you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? 
Holy shit. You all right? The worst until I saw that. Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table. Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Froines, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. <laughs> my trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. Jurors six and 11, they're with us. Juror number six and juror number 11, you're dismissed from this jury. Can you tell us why? Because this is my courtroom. We've dealt with jury tampering, wiretapping, a defendant that was literally gagged. Hey, get your hands off me. You're the first to suggest that I have discriminated against a black man. Then let the record show that I'm the second. All right, those were the trailers for next week's films that you just listened to. They were the trailers for The Devil All the Time, starring Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson, and also for The Trial of the Chicago 7, starring Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen. We will be reviewing those films next week. And now on to part two of our episode with the review of the film Tenet, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. Will, why don't you tell me where you saw this film? And I only asked that question because obviously <laughs> theaters had just reopened mm-hmm. and probably this was the first time back in the theater for both you and for me. So tell me a little bit about that whole movie going experience before we talk about what we liked and didn't like. So I was in good old Birmingham, Alabama. And the reason why I was out there was uh, it was a very small wedding that I was attending uh, with my girlfriend and she was in the wedding. Uh, and literally like i remember oh yeah we gotta we gotta watch tenet like i want to watch tenet and we found a theater that was uh showing it um it was very kind of haunting because there were literally no one no one was in the theater watching it i think it was like the second day it came out a third day came out and uh but at the same time it felt so nice to just be on watching it on the big screen again the amazing intense audio and um just the crinkling of the you know your popcorn uh in the, in the bag and and like the sipping of the coke it, it, it just felt nostalgic it, it just seems nostalgic now you know what i mean to be in the theater again because i i look at mm-hmm. it and i had that moment of thinking you know this really actually may go away soon like or or in a sense that it, like it's going to be a novelty now you know because we were just recently yeah. talking about companies coming out with 98 inch tvs now and like uh, 8k all that stuff now and and i think like that's really what's going to happen everything's going to have home theaters now so but yeah yeah all right yeah for me i watched this in fullerton just uh maybe 10 15 minutes away it was uh it was quite exciting to get out of the house and watch a movie in a the theater because uh literally the weekend before quarantine my wife and i had watched uh the exciting uplifting Ben Affleck alcoholic movie called The Way Back. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay. So the last movie that we're going to watch before quarantine is about uh, an overweight Ben Affleck drinking himself to death. <laughs> so that was our last movie going experience. So we were excited to finally watch an event movie in a theater. It was just, it was just fun. We, we got to the theater and everyone is so nice and happy and smiling and they were so helpful. And we both got like large popcorns, large drinks, just large everything. They were just we wanted happy to, to see you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh my gosh, a customer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was like carrying these gigantic like tubs of so- of soda and popcorn, and I was like spilling popcorn along the way because it was just so big. And there's no way in 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 <laughs> on God's green earth that we would have been able to finish all of that food, but we just wanted to get it because we were so excited. And uh, you know, of course, the movie was was an experience. It was uh, visually stimulating. Um, but let's get more into detail in terms of what we liked and didn't like. So, Will, first, what did you like? Man, oh loved the cinematography uh i just love how nolan is is pretty clean with his shots and and so meticulous with the way how he directs like the camera and where to go um the editing also with what this story is about and 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 just the way how um it was weaved together so nicely i love the editing directing you know, obviously Nolan, and especially the soundtrack. I mean, I love how he's able to just uh, punch in on on specific moments uh, as as some of the world as it goes backwards. Like it just he just has a great timing where the soundtrack and you and you're listening to it and you feel like you're going backwards with the whole experience as well. Like it was such an amazing soundtrack. It was so killer. Um, I was I was very very impressed with Robert Pattinson's performance. Okay, so I think I feel like. That that really blew me away, and and it was just the whole Twilight thing has gone. Like my whole my whole thought of Robert Pattinson and and the whole Edward Cullen thing, it's gone. It's like no, Ed, Ed, like Robert Pattinson is a hundred percent grade A actor, and I really am looking forward to more work that comes out with uh, by him. Um. I, I especially love the technical aspect of how they executed the film with basically no visual effects. Like like reading upon that and seeing how they did it blew my mind. And I love I love how Nolan chooses to go that practical way, the practical effects, right? Because for me, it's just it really I think immerses the actors more rather than just using green screen and always trying to have them use their imagination and whatnot. I really I, I really love the fact that he's giving that he gives his actors substance to really connect with. Um, Stories like these, I love stories like these, where, where it makes you think because the circumstances can have multiple results to choose from. And I love going home thinking about, whoa, maybe he could have done this way. Like different, and I, I just love how he kind of, like not leaves you hanging because it, the answer, I feel like the answer is there. But the answer is there in a way where it's a broad stroke and Nolan wants you to kind of enjoy, let you kind of think about it as you go home further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about you? That. <laughs> Uh, I mean, what I liked, it's a Nolan film. I mean, that's just, it has, when you say that you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie, it carries uh, a, quite a bit of weight because there are certain expectations that we bring to a film. It's the loud, you know, bombastic music with the low brass, like check, that was there. The really smart, well-executed action scenes that come very organically from the story and don't feel forced. And yet at the same time, when you see it on screen, you can't believe your eyes because it looks so amazing. Check. That was there. Mm. Uh, Great performances from uh, actors with a lot of charisma for the most part. Check. So it was all there. And uh, it was very, very entertaining. the movie introduces a new premise and introduces the rules and science behind that premise with a lot of intelligence and with visuals that we've never seen before. And so that was pretty mind blowing to see how he executed this whole idea that he had. And uh, as always, he doesn't insult the intelligence of the viewer. And 
going back to Inception or even Interstellar or even a film like this, it's like as a movie going audience member, it's okay that you don't understand everything that you're seeing because the ride itself is just so fun. But this movie, more than those movies I just mentioned, kind of tests you a little bit because there is far more that I didn't even come close to getting in this film compared to like Interstellar or, or uh, Inception, right? We'll talk about that a little bit later. Rob Panston was truly great. His accent in this is slightly over the top. His, uh, his costumes were kind of befitting of, of a guy um, of the character he was playing. I think he wore like scarves in like half the movie or something. <laughs> but I, I embraced it and I enjoyed the way that Pattinson attacked his character and portrayed that character. So that was great. And the action scenes were just insane. I mean, we were talking about this is a Nolan movie. And so you get the know the things you want from a Nolan movie in these action scenes. And they were just crazy and things that you've never seen before with certain aspects running backwards in time and certain aspects of the action scene running forward in time. Yes. And somehow they all kind of visually made sense. The choreography was amazing. Pretty amazing. Really good choreography, yeah. actually, the fight choreography. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. And now uh, on to the weak points, Will. So honestly, out of the entire film, I don't know if this was more of like a post-production problem, but every time they were trying to explain something about the science behind the time travel or something that I felt was critical, it was so hard to understand what they were saying. Not because they weren't pronunciating, but it sounded like the, 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 the sound was like they weren't too close to the boom mic or something, or they just were like... Well, actually, I take it back. No, it wasn't that they weren't pronouncing it. Uh, they weren't pronouncing. They were pronouncing it kind of muddled. They were pronouncing it kind of like it was just kind of like, oh yeah, if you go over here in the science and blah blah blah. And I was like, wait, what did he say? Like, like what was this part? Like, how does how does this happen? Like, he just said it. Like, why? You know, that was the only thing that was bothering me because I really, really wanted to know their the theory, I guess, or or his you know imagination of like how this works in 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 Nolan's mind, you know. But I, I, yeah, I think you discussed it earlier, which I thought was great. And it's true. It's like, you know, I really definitely need to watch this with subtitles. <laughs> yeah. So really, I mean, other than that, um, this film really didn't have too many flaws for me uh, other than just really key points of dialogue that I really wanted to listen to hear. Um, I think that the pace I mean, the, I mean, little things may have been like just just pace in certain aspects may have been could have been a bit faster, kind of like getting to the point and, um, and 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 pushing forward. But really, there wasn't really anything else. Yeah. So, what about you? Uh, I had no clue what was happening this entire movie. I feel like, and uh, you know, I think there's something happening in the world today where we are all drunk on the Nolan Kool Aid because. Um, this movie got largely positive reviews, but I think for the most part, people had no idea what what was happening um, and just kind of the logic of what they were seeing. And there were a lot of things that, that lead into that. But basically, uh, there is like this faith that we have as a movie watcher that says, even though I don't know what I'm watching, I have faith that there is logic to it. I just don't get it. So I, I'm going to trust him and just be wowed by what I'm seeing. If it were any other movie, we would pretty much be like, what? I don't know what's happening. They're doing a poor job, you know, giving exposition. So I, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to turn this movie off. It's just confusing. I feel like most people re would react that way. But Nolan has bought so much good faith from all of us that we are just kind of like, 
wow, this looks incredible. I don't know what or why or, or you just kind of what is happening, but it looks amazing. So I'm going to just enjoy the ride. That's kind of what, what was happening with me. I looked over at my wife in the middle of this movie. I was like, do you know what's happening? No, but it looks awesome, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, okay. So we kept watching it. And then afterwards we came out, we're like, that was amazing. But I don't know what I just watched. Is that, is that, so that's is that kind of, him kind of hiding like his his criticism of our intelligence i don't know because if you're saying do you even know what's happening no but this is awesome right yeah <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. we, don't, we don't know the intelligence of christopher nolan but man you can really shoot a scene and make it look awesome like <laughs> yeah maybe and then of course there's the muddled delivery of, of exposition so i i have good faith that if i watch this movie with captions i'm going to like this movie a lot more because i'll understand what's happening but for the most part you have lots of exposition and you have lots of science being given out and it's given through people wearing gas masks so they're t- they, t- they sound like bane but <laughs> less intelligible or by people with really really thick accents like kenneth branagh basically playing the exact same russian character he played in jack ryan shadow recruit <laughs> so he's giving you all these things about like his backstory and about like what's happening but you have no idea what he's saying and maybe part of it was also because I was in the theater where I think the center channel where the dialogue comes out was turned down compared to the explosions and stuff. But yeah, I had a very hard time knowing what anyone was saying and I kind of just gave up. There was like this thing where you're, if you're like constantly trying to lean in and you're like squinting and you're nodding, trying to understand someone. At some point you get so tired, you just give up. And then you just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're just <laughs> nodding your head. Like, okay, yeah, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm just going to nod my head. It's kind of something similar to that. It's actually funny when you um, went squinty eye to wide eye. <laughs> you went from yeah. like, wait, what are they saying? And you went, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then lastly, John David Washington's performance was not one of my favorites of his. Mm. I feel like uh, from what I've seen of him in uh, Ballers as well as Black Klansman, he has this natural energy and charisma, which I thought... Uh, was subdued a bit in the character that he was playing. So I thought they could have done a better job molding his character around John David Washington's natural energy, but they didn't. Um, and I felt like he was trying really hard to play a, a Nolan-type character you know, uh, that we've seen before in the likes of Inception and uh, Interstellar and stuff like that. So that wasn't my, my favorite one of my favorite moments of the film, our favorite portrayals or performances, as you would say. So uh, with that being said, what did you... What do you give this uh, film in terms of your final review rating? I give this film a 3.5 out of 5 stars. What about you? Okay, cool. Uh, I give it 3 stars with the potential for more. I I, uh, I am give, on good faith giving it 3 stars at this point because I feel like a second viewing would help me appreciate it more. 3 stars for me is the lowest rated Nolan film. It's the lowest rating I've ever given a Nolan film. And so... Um, yeah, I'm hoping that I could uh, raise this up to four once I understand what I saw. So I'm really looking forward to when this movie comes out on, on video or in the home so I can watch it with the captions. I need the captions. This is, there's just, that's the only way to watch this movie people. So if you haven't seen this yet, just wait for it to come out on video and check it out with the captions on. (laughs) Definitely. Wait, so So. for Inception, was that like, uh, something that you got off right off the bat and understood the whole concept? Yeah, I think it was uh, just really well understandable, comprehensible. comprehensible. Mm-hmm. This movie wasn't so much. Mm. There's a science that they had to introduce here completely from scratch. And Inception didn't have to do that because we already are familiar with dreams and dreams within dreams and stuff like that. So this was a lot more 
that he took on in terms of expo- exposition and explaining the story or the elements that he needed to for the movie to make sense. And uh, I felt like at, at least up to this point, um, he failed a little bit. But once again, it could just purely be uh, a case of me not having those, me not being able to understand the movie. Mm, got it. Got it. Yeah. Cool. All right. That was our episode. We will be back next week with a review of the films The Devil All the Time and The Trial of the Chicago 7. We will see you next week. Take care, everybody. 